Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode, I think, 42 of Goodbye Bullshit, Hello Happiness. I'm your host, Atusa, and today I have a very, very special guest. I'm really excited for you guys to meet her, uh, Sarah. But the special thing is that this is just an introduction to Sarah because Sarah and I are going to have another regular monthly Goodbye Bullshit together where um, she has this wonderful curiosity questions that we're going to come and um, talk about those. So um, I think we call that magic curiosities. Is that right? Yes. Magic yes. curiosities. So that's coming up um, starting, I think, next month. We're going to start to do them. So I'm excited about that. But today I really want you guys to hear her story of her journey and... Um, I'm going to actually pass the baton to her and let her get started. Welcome, Sarah. Hey, thank you for having me today. I'm excited to be here. Um, so I'm Sarah Cronin. I'm a music teacher in the area. Um, I've been teaching piano, voice, and guitar for almost 22 years now. Um, so, so Sarah, what bullshit yeah. did you say goodbye to? To yes. get to where you're at today. Um, and I want to clarify, still working on letting go of bullshit. <laughs> um, it's a work I, in progress. It is absolutely a work in progress. Um, I feel like a lot of the messages I received when I was younger essentially told me that my personal experience of the world was not valid. So the way that I felt about things, the way I saw things or heard things and how they hit me, I was overly emotional. I was too sensitive. I, right, like mm -hmm. um, it was a childish reaction. And I realized as I was working with Atusa that all of that in, invalidation, I guess, of my personal experience had basically led me to not only never listen to my body because it was too inconvenient. Um, but also I did not trust at all my perception of what the world was around me, which allowed me to get into a lot of situations. I think I could have easily avoided if I had followed that little intuition in my gut. Um, I, uh, one of the things I think it's important to know is that I was adopted. Um, I did not actually think that was that important <laughs> until I worked with Atusa either. Um, and I realized that that really was the beginning of my journey of feeling separated from the rest of the world. Um, and not just emotionally, but even at a, at a soul level, <laughs> um, I realized that, I mean, I was thinking back about the fact that even at like five and six years old, when I was told that like, oh yeah, well we come from God and then you're embodied and then you go back to God and you get to be with everyone. I was mortified at the idea that I had to be separate from everybody for a while. Like what? <laughs> that is not okay. And um, even led to like, uh, this maybe sounds weird, but it's the truth, which is even led to like this sort of weird obsession with like liking to chew on my partners. Mm -hmm. So. It was like, I almost really just want to be able to consume them. And I felt this physical barrier and that I thought like, okay, well, I'm just stuck with never being able to have that sort of 
enmeshed experience again until I'm dead. And that was not a very comforting thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, what else have I overcome? So, oh, um, I think something that is hard to talk about, but is common, way more common than I think people let on is this idea of self-medicating regardless of what you're using to medicate with. Um, starting at 15, I found my way to, you know, drugs and alcohol and was like, hey, okay, this makes living feel easier. So it was, it's really about, for me, <laughs> it was really about my brain just never being quiet, that there was always voices in my head that were telling me all of these terrible things about what a bad person I was and how lazy I was. And, um, that, you know, at night, a lot of times I had trouble, like just my brain turning off enough to be able to sleep. And so, um, that was actually a really huge struggle for years and years and years. Um, it's something I still have to be really aware of, you know, like, why is it that I want a beer right now? <laughs> or why is it right that, um, I feel like I need a little help right now. What is it? And um, I think I just got to a point not that long ago where I just, I was ready to live differently. And I will say that's like the biggest thing Atusa you gave mm -hmm. me was being confident enough. Cause I kind of had that shift a few months before I even met you Yeah. where I was, I was just ready. I was done with the old way. Um and that you really have helped me find my confidence to step into a different way of being, regardless of all of these sort of negative stereotypes I have around a lot of the things we talk about. Like, um, right, it's all new age woo-woo crap. <laughs> I love that, new age woo-woo crap. <laughs> but the thing is, it is not, like, not if you truly choose to accept it as a part of yourself. And I think that's what I was missing. I did not because I was so separated from everything with layers and layers of bullshit that I just couldn't even let the messages sink into my heart and my soul. And once I was able to feel that, the amount of joy I experience even in my daily life, even when I'm struggling, I still have these moments where I am laughing just, you know, randomly for some just silly little reason and enjoying the sun enjoying the wind, listening to the birds. Like it is amazing. So thank you. Well, I'm, I'm really, uh, I have to say I'm very emotional. I'm holding back tears because, um, it's been, I, I cannot tell you guys how beautiful of an experience has been for me to have met Sarah and watch her from like day one to now is just like amazing for me just to experience that. And um, I'm really excited for you guys that, you know, she just touched on so many things here today. Um, you know, and open her, she opened herself up and told you guys, parts of herself and I think that's one of the most important things and uh, we're going to get into all of that but this is everybody feels the same way and that's one of the takeaways I want if nothing else you take away take away this from today that we're all pretty much on similar boats a little bit different here there 
but everybody's on a similar boat, similar journey of trying to find a way back to yourself, to that place that you truly love and accept yourself. And from that place, then you feel like your connection to everything around you, to the people around you, that feeling that you want to, you were saying that you want to consume people that you felt so separated. A lot of people have that. A lot of people have that because that's the thing that they're like, you know, if it gives them safety. They want to grab onto people. I want to hold you in my life. So I know I'm not alone. I'm not separated. But when we let go and then again, you love yourself, you accept yourself, you find that part and then you feel that connection to everything else. Like at the end, that was beautiful. You're saying, you know, the sound of the wind and the birds and it just makes you laugh and feel joy in your heart. And that's something I've told people is like, once you connect to yourself and then you're connecting to the outside world, you don't feel that separation anymore. You don't feel that loneliness anymore. And you feel a part of it. And everything feels like it's talking to you. It's singing to you. It's dancing with you. So thank you for your willingness to be honest today and share your story. I'm really humbled and honored to have you here. Well, thank you. So let's get started. One of the things I wanted to talk about, which to be honest, I completely forgot until you mentioned it. Your adoption. That was <laughs> such a big part of our work together. I was just like completely gone. But um, I want you to talk about that, you know, like how how did that change? I mean, you talked about it as a struggle that you let go of, and I know what we worked on. But um, so how did that impact you before and how do you feel about things now? Okay. So, okay, it's a little complicated again, partly because all of my life, I think I was so determined to kind of disconnect from any desires that I might have about mm -hmm. thinking about my birth parents. I somehow, I think I felt like it was... Um, disrespectful to my adoptive parents mm -hmm. because, you know, you, I couldn't really point at anything and be like, well, they're doing this wrong or that wrong. Right. It was just like, but something in the way that I understood adoption. Okay. So let me just say, if you have an adopted person in your life, please do not ever take them to the, the pound, adopt a cat and then say, <laughs> Like, this is how we got you. <laughs> this is, we adopted you because we wanted you. And I, it took me a long time even working with the twos before I was like, you know, that, but that happened when I was like, what, three, I think three or four. Mm -hmm. And that moment was where I was like, oh, I really was abandoned. I really wasn't wanted by somebody else. And okay, that instinct was correct. And then they kind of took pity on me and took me in and are like, okay, we're going to do all these nice things for you now. Like it just, it was just not the right message. Um, and How would you change that? Because I think that's, I know, especially now, there are a lot of people that they're adopting um, kids. How would you think they, sh you know, parents can do better for the kids that are adopted so they don't feel, I think part a separation is going to be felt anyway. There's some things that's going to be there no matter what. 
but what are the things that parents can do to approach it better and help the kids? That is a great question. So I can, obviously I can only answer from what I think. Mm -hmm. And interesting, just as a quick side note, interestingly, I've actually run across other parents of adopted people where I swear it sounds like they said exactly the same things that my parents said, mm -hmm. but like it hit their kids totally differently. Sometimes mm -hmm. worse, sometimes better. So I just want to make that clear. But I think one of the things I would have liked to have known, I I don't know that they ever really said like, well, you were obviously born of love of some mm -hmm. kind, right? Mm -hmm. Like um, you were born of some kind of love. Now, maybe it wasn't sustainable, right? It was something that just, I mean, for instance, um, even when I found out that my mom was in college, the fact she had a, I had an older sister, that mm -hmm. was hard, right? Because then it's like, well, why was it okay to keep her and not me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> even though I realized, even as I was thinking that, I realized even as a kid, that really wasn't fair. I don't think I was given an alternative. And mm -hmm. I think the alternative would be, you know, okay, well, you were born of love and there was this relationship, but to because she loved you so much, Mm -hmm. He wanted you to have a different situation. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. I, now I'm saying it. I'm not sure that that would have been enough for me personally, but I do think it would have helped because I told myself that story, but yeah. I didn't really believe it because it was coming from me. Yes. <laughs> so I feel like yes. maybe if I'd heard that outside of myself, I might've been more willing to accept it as reality. Cause I do think ultimately that is the reality. And I agree with you. I think if they, and I'm happy you're talking about this. I, I think if people come from that approach, the parents to say, you know, you are loved. There is nothing wrong with you. You are perfect just the way you are. You are whole just the way you are. It's just that, you know, situations led to this you yeah. were not the cause of this situation and it wasn't because if you did anything wrong or you were bad that they didn't want you you were loved and you are still loved you are perfect and you are still perfect and situations got us here right so um i know for i mean and i think it's a i would believe Again, I I'm, I don't have personal experience with that, but from what I've gathered from clients too, I think it's a it's not just a one conversation. It's a constant uh, conversation from the time you have that child until they, you know, as they're getting older and describing it in different ways, uh, age appropriate ways, and keep you know bringing that message in to the kids, I think it's going to help as well. So definitely, yeah. I will say that's one thing they totally got right is I knew I was saying in preschool that I was adopted. Like, I mean, I didn't necessarily mm -hmm. know quite what that meant. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I'm just saying that was something I feel like they did really well. And honestly, it's because my mom was also adopted, by the way. Mm. But she did not find out until she accidentally found her birth certificate when she was 16. Oh, wow. So that was a giant, obviously, like, missed up on her mom's and dad's part. But um, I feel like that was sort of one of the ways which they definitely got it right, was talking about it from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I do, I do totally agree. I would have been furious if I had found out some other way. 
Yeah. No, talking about it, but also bringing the message of that you are loved. Yes. Absolutely. You are loved. Continuously bringing that message yes. that you are loved and you are perfect and that there's nothing wrong with you. Yes. Uh, keep talking about that message. Um, next thing, um, you know, it's big for me to talk about is self-medicating. And um, I know society right now, everybody's self-medicating in different ways, um, whether it's drugs, alcohol, um, microdosing, even I'm going to put in that same category. There are a lot of different ways. Even exercise, in a way, it um, can be self-medicating. So food, eating, another self-medicating. So what, what, are, what were some of your challenges and what led you to get to where you are now that, um, and again, I'm happy that you talked about it's still a working progress, but you know, if you can tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, I think very early on. So like I said, I think I first sort of ran into this when I was around 15 in particular. Mm -hmm. Um, I think at, I mean, I'll be honest, like the experimentation I had with hallucinogens, which really was like for maybe about 15 to 22, I would say I honestly felt like I was searching for something bigger. Mm -hmm. Like I, you know, that was sort of my initial reason that I did it was that I had heard about all of this consciousness ex expansion. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, who doesn't want things to look like a cartoon? Because mm -hmm. I stupidly thought that's what it would be like. I don't know. You're um, going to see Bugs Bunny and Elsa. <laughs> yeah, totally. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I would so I would say those are like kind of a weird double reason that I kind of just was willing to kind of go for mm -hmm. it. Um, and then after that, it was more that I realized I did not like being in my everyday headspace. I found mm -hmm. it painful at times, especially when my situation became um, more difficult when I became a full-time partner with my husband and taking care of his mother-in-law. And it was a decade long, decade long experience where we lived with her and took care of her on a day to day basis. And then three years of in-home hospice. And I found that over the years, um, I don't even know if I can explain this. It's like feeling electrified all the time. So not just mentally like fried, but definitely mentally fried. I, you know, my sleeping was erratic and um, I'd stay up for hours. Then I'd have times where I was sleeping for 14 hours a day. And um, physically, I just essentially always felt buzzy. And I got a lot of like wah, 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 <laughs> kind of stuff happening. And um, so I think there became a point where it was more like, okay, well, you know, I can do a little bit of drugs and then I'm going to be able to sleep. But then I have to be too careful because if I do too much, then I'm going to have nightmares. Mm -hmm. And like, but it was like this constant thing. You know, that's the other thing. If anybody has ever had a struggle with this, it's a constant thought in your head. Like, am I going to do some? Am I not going to do some? Should I? Or do I have enough? Do I need to get more? Like, it's like this mm -hmm. whole conversation, um, which is really tiring, by the way. Um, so on top of the fact that my situation was difficult, I was actually making it more difficult <laughs> because I had this other thing that I was constantly having to focus on that was outside of my job and my caregiving and my relationship and whatever, the day-to-day -day mundane stuff. Um, so how, 
Um, I basically got to a point where just I was having to hide it from mm -hmm. my partner so much, my husband, um, and that, you know, I'd become a liar and I was mm -hmm. like, wow, this is a terrible place to be. Like, why? I don't want to lie to the person that, right. Like I profess mm -hmm. this love to all the time. Um, and I just, I basically got to a point, I guess I hit rock bottom and part of it was physical. I'll be honest. I got really sick. Um, and it just sort of was a weird series of events where it just mm -hmm. felt like the universe was like putting its thumb on me and saying, okay, hello, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> if you're not going to stop, we're going to make you stop. We're going to do right. this until you see it. Yes. Yes. And so it was actually, I'll be honest, that sickness, it was so weird. It lasted for like, I mean, a month and I'm still recovering, honestly, physically from that experience. Mm -hmm. It was a year ago. And um, yeah, I think it's just finally like whatever part of me had been kind of holding on to that need for something else, just in that moment, somehow it shifted away from me. And I think that was that moment where, as I said to you, I decided, okay, I am now ready. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. So like I went to the doctor, which I had not done forever because I don't have health insurance. Um, I, you know, so I have a sleep apnea machine. I had to get a tooth extracted, um, which I'm lucky actually didn't turn into something horrible. Um, I started therapy, like traditional therapy. Um, and I just kind of got lucky enough that after a few months of therapy, she was like, well, if you want to investigate this whole, I had a lot of things I had been seeing over years recently, uh, last, I mean, recent years. Um, and she was like, if that's something you need to explore to figure out what that's about, do it. And then I got lucky enough a few months later that I ran into a Tusa's name. And so I don't um, know. Yeah. Anything else? I'm not sure I answered all that. No, question. I, you did. But I, I also want to um, talk about what is your advice again for people that are on the verge of trying it because i think it was very important that you said a lot of people get into it because there's a loss of hope that um you know they know there's something else they want to connect to that higher consciousness it's like how do i connect so there are a lot of people actually getting into it because of that and there is it's easier way to turn off that mind chatter or actually i don't in my opinion it's not an easier way it's a harder way because the chatter just becomes amplified much exactly much louder and you know um so yeah if you can tell us like for those people what's your advice to them that if they're on that verge of either trying or they've tried it and they're like you know, well, I want to do it more, but, you know, when I'm there, I can see things. When I'm there, I can hear things clearly. Mm, mm. Okay. Good question. Um, my advice is get some therapy and meditate. Like I was, that was actually first how I started realizing also that there was other things I was just not noticing. Mm -hmm. um, but the thing is I, okay. So the meditation thing, I have, for myself figured out that I think the reason most people are just kind of like, uh, meditating, eh, I tried it, but it's not really working. I think it's just because we're so, we have these constant conversations in our head and because we, we have all these inner children that are like screaming at us all the mm -hmm. time, 
we can't we can't get to that place of being still or being flat or just being in the moment like whatever you want to call it and so that's actually my advice is work on the internal things to quiet them down and then when you're trying to be still or find that moment um of peace it actually will be there because it i think it took me about six weeks, I think, of working with you and clearing a lot of stuff out before I think I came in and was like, oh my gosh, I have a moment. I have this little piece of calm inside me. Where did this come from? <laughs> like, it was so amazing. Um, and I was, because the thing is, you know, I think people also feel like meditation is something that's like a thing you do, right? Yeah. But it's more like a way of experiencing what's around you. And it's a way of being. And that when you kind of get used to accessing that moment, you carry it around with you all day. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, since I haven't been seeing you, it's the thing I realized, why am I not doing that as much anymore? <laughs> so I am actively working on making sure that I'm meditating enough during the day that it helps because that it it really helps you release and helps in that moment. So that is my big advice is instead of looking for it outside of yourself or externally, go in, do the work. <laughs> do yes, the work. yes, 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 yes. I cannot emphasize that enough. In everything I say, you will find all the answers you're looking for, everything you need. Everything is inside of you. You just have to get to it. And I think, uh, you know, I talk about meditation a lot uh, and wh wherever I can, because I feel society has changed the definition of meditation with all these, again, meditation apps and do this, do that, and getting you to a place. A lot of times now what I have to do with a lot of my clients that come in, I say, please stop meditating the way you are. Because it's just meditation has become one of those self-medicating tools because the way they're doing it, it, it's still better than nothing. I, you know, if you're doing it, please continue doing it. I mean, I'm not telling you to stop. But for me, when the clients come, I have them stop just because a lot of these things, it's still taking them outside. It's mm. not taking you inside. And that's why... You know, a lot of times I'd say meditation is just being in the present moment. It does You don't have to sit there, close your eyes or do anything special. Your walking can be a medica meditation, your, um, you know, whatever, your coffee drinking, your cooking, your eating, everything in your daily life is meditation if you just connect and just watch it and participate in it and not do it so mindlessly. So, oh, um, oh yes. Mindfulness. Yes. Really. But I think here's the thing I, I find in talking to other people, I think the biggest problem is when is we don't even know how not to be upset with ourselves. We don't know mm. how not to be frustrated with ourselves. So of course, if we're doing, we're trying to be quiet, right? Be still. And then a thought pops up. I think the most common reaction is, "Ugh, it happened again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to just being like, Oh, look, there's a thought. How nice. Okay. <sighs> Breathing, you know, or going back yes. to something else internal. But um, I, th I found that to be really hard at first. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes. And bring the focus to something in the present moment. Takes you away from that frustration the thoughts are coming up. Because the thoughts are coming up because you keep telling it, be quiet, be quiet. I need to be quiet right now. I need to have peace. Can't you see I'm meditating here? <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to meditate. Just shh. <laughs> so instead of that, if you bring that focus and attention to something that you're doing in the present moment and enjoying it, bringing yeah. some joy and fun into, you know, whatever it is, you're petting your dog or your cat or, again, your coffee. Oh, how warm it is. So that focus and attention when you bring it to something, especially something that you're touching and feeling and smelling and seeing your senses, because it's still you're being mindful of your own senses and your body's reaction to something and you're staying in the present moment. So I think that, um, you know, I'm not saying it's easier, but it helps quiet down that mind chatter a little bit so that you can get to a point that you can even sit there, be still and, you know, you have a peace of mind. But, and by the way, I remember that day when you said, you know, you came in. <laughs> oh, so wonderful. That <laughs> one and the one that you actually, you know, felt like lo actual love for yourself. And yeah. that was an amazing one too. Um, one more thing I want to touch on. And um, again, you've shared so much. So I hope you're okay with this one too. But um that's the other thing a lot of uh I, I know i get a lot of clients and a lot of calls about these uh things as well people and i again because it's going to be part of our magic curiosity session so it's a nice lead to that one too but um people seeing lights and bubbles and beings and feeling it or experiencing or even experiencing you know the, one of the main reasons you came to see me about what was going on inside your house. So can you share a little bit about that with the people listening in and what was your feelings then? And what is your feeling now? Because I know now you're like totally into that magic and you're like, you know, and again, the self-medicating changed it now that it's, you see that, that this wasn't part of that. Yes. Which, by the way, that I totally thought maybe it was, oh, I'm just on drugs and therefore, right? Like I'm seeing all these things. Um, let's see. Okay. So really, I mean, I'll be honest. I'm sure as a small child, I actually was seeing a lot of things, but um, I had a lot of fear-based sort of, I grew up in Missouri, which was very Christian culture. And so even though my parents weren't particularly churchy, um, I heard a lot of negative stuff about magic and seeing things and ghosts and trolls and all of that. So I already was, and I was just kind of a fearful kid in general because of just sort of the environment I was in and who I am. <laughs> so um, I started seeing a lot of stuff around the house, in the woods, like little lights in the trees. And I went, uh, it, it really was highest, I think, during spring and summer. And then I discovered, oh, wait, the next year it was like, oh, look, they're back. And then I realized, wait a minute, they never left. I just stopped seeing them the same way. <laughs> um, and it basically culminated in my mother-in-law's death in 2019, where I saw a death deity dance for her. Um, 
it's really intense. Heard music, chanting, got a name, like all that kind of thing. Um, and unfortunately, that whole experience was so filled with fear about everything. Like I didn't know how to handle being touched, um, how to handle having things in my room, um, waking up with having conversations with something like that I was part of this conversation, but right. Like I'm not remembering mm -hmm. what's going on. And that, um, I, I did a lot of, um, I think what people do, which is how do I protect myself? How do I make sure that nothing takes my energy? Um, or I had some things that were sleeping on me, hot, heavy things that I was like, Ooh, they're hot and they're heavy. So they gotta be bad, <laughs> you know? And you know, that, or I'm feeling this thing sucking on me. That's, that can't be good. And so I had so much of this, just like, what is it? What is it? What's happening going on in my head that, um, I mean, literally just, I mean, it was more fear producing. Um, when I, so I came to Atusa because I felt like I had something attacking me actively at the time, something attached to me actively, which I will say, by the way, that first session, I did hear something scream as it released for me. <laughs> so I do think there was something going on, but I'm, I also recognize at this point, I was holding on to something also. Right. Exactly. Um, and one once... was your fear screaming away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that, um, as she basically helped me look, okay, I, I'm sure a lot of people have this problem. I look at the universe a lot of times as being a test or like I'm being messed with, right? Like, oh, the universe is out to get me. And it's that kind of an attitude, right? When she helped me kind of shift more to a, no, 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 these are not tests. The universe is helping you practice to do things. Um, that the universe is trying to say, Hey, here's something you need to work on, <laughs> you know, and that it really is done with love. And once I could internalize that message more, all of the experiences, even when I would come across something that, Hey, all of a sudden the light's going out in my vision and I'm surrounded by this darkness. It was just like, Hey, okay, what's up? What do you want? Like, can I help you in some way? <laughs> like, why are you here? And that all of a sudden, these experiences that I know that I would have felt very concerned with, I think, about what was happening, mm -hmm. I kind of just stopped with the questioning of that. It's like, again, it's like it's almost being in that meditative state where you just kind of accept what's showing up. And then I haven't had a bad experience because because of that. Like, there's no such thing as a bad experience. An experience is an experience, right? And um, so, I mean, I've had a lot of active conversations now with things in and around my home or things that I see on a regular basis in the sky. And it's all just helping me figure out my, my understanding, my personal understanding of how the world works. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty amazing. You once told me, all of the knowledge will come to you in time. <laughs> Any knowledge you need, it will be there. And I was like, yeah, right. Okay. Like the universe loves withholding things from me, you know. <laughs> but um, so far, it's felt that way. I'm always impatient. I want more answers than I have right now, always. But I also, that's something, another big thing I've been let, able to let go because of you. So thank you. Okay. <laughs> Gee, Sarah, thank you. <laughs> <sighs> no.
know. Um, amazing. It's profound. It is. It is. Um, I was just remembering like the first couple of sessions where you would come with your list of. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Sarah's back with her list of stuff. Let's go through it and talk about everything. <laughs> but now it's just, you know, and I'm so happy that everything you like, you're more, it's like, I don't, you know, there's no need for it anymore. Everything, like, I hear that you're impatient, but it's different. Yeah. You're more open to, like, that it's flowing to me, that I'm receiving it. Yes, and maybe I want it quicker, but I also know it's coming. And I'm, and I hear this joy in there that you're actually joyful about that whole process of receiving it and seeing it. That time it's taking is like a little surprise. You're like, ooh, it's coming. <laughs> exactly. So that's amazing and beautiful. And um, this was really important what you talked about because um, I get a lot of people um, texting me, calling me, messaging me. Um, some come to me, but some don't like my answer because everybody that comes to me with that, that, you know, I'm being um, psychically attacked and there are negative things in my house and negative energies and everything that they say, when I give them the message that, and can you come and clear it out? Can you come take it away? Can you do something about it? So I'm not experiencing that my message is always the same. We got to work on the fear. You release mm. the fear, the other stuff will go away. The other stuff will cease to exist. Nothing has power over you. Nothing outside of you has power over you. The reason that you feel those things is that fear in you that you have given power away yourself to something outside of you but nothing can have that power and um and i think this was very important because i keep sending that message out and you know some people see it you know you felt it you said okay i'm gonna come and try this out and some you know they just again going back to um we want that immediate satisfaction gratification of no i need something to release it right away you know you just don't know what you're talking about i'm like okay good luck find somebody <laughs> else but you know i can tell you whatever anybody helps take away it's still something else is going to come replace it because of that fear is there once that fear goes away all of it goes away. Nothing else can attach to you like that. So um, I'm really appreciative that you talked about so much here today. And I know I'm way beyond my normal 30 minutes. So um, we're going to stop here. I cannot tell you how happy I am that you're here. I'm so excited to start our Magical Curiosities program. Me too. <laughs> That's going to be so much fun, everybody. You know, I'm going to post something and let you guys know. We'll figure out um, when in the schedule it's going to be. But once a month, we're going to talk about that. And you guys can go ahead and either um, text me your questions, comment on one of the videos, email me, however you want. Just if you have some curious questions, let us know and we'll talk about it in our program. Sarah, really, really grateful. Such a beautiful conversation. This was one of my favorite ones. Thank you so much.
Thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thank you. See you next time.